This is Bigger Pockets Daily, expert advice for real estate investors. If you like what you hear, check out biggerpockets.com. I think you'll find a warm, welcoming community, a wealth of data to help you make the best decisions, and calculators to help you analyze deals. We make the blog articles available on this show so you can absorb the information while you're organizing the garage or remodeling your bathroom on this Saturday. This show is sponsored by Airbnb. Did you know that a long time ago, before I ever started my real estate business, I turned one of my first primary residences into an Airbnb? And that's the extra income that I needed from Airbnb that gave me the confidence to go out and work for myself and eventually quit my 9-to-5 job. And now I have dozens of Airbnbs all over the country. I've even partnered up with the old David Green on a recent property in Scottsdale to take our portfolio to the next level. And of course, we host it on Airbnb. But you don't need to be a full-time real estate investor to start on Airbnb. As a matter of fact, I was self-managing 10 properties while working my 9-to-5 job, so I know anybody can do it. Think about it this way. You're looking for extra income and going on a vacation. Wouldn't it be great to rent out your space and let your property pay for itself while you're gone? I did this one time. I pitched my wife and my roommate because we were house hacking on the idea of renting out our home, and it paid for all of our expenses on a trip to Mexico City. So go and give it a try. It might just change your life just like it did mine. And I really do mean that. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Meet RentApp, the seamless, secure, free way to collect rent. Built by a team of fintech veterans behind Square and Cash App, RentApp uses ACH bank transfers to deposit funds directly into your account. You don't even need to download anything. RentApp setup is straightforward for renters, and there are no apps for landlords to download. Both get peace of mind with a digital transaction history. That means no more lost checks, managing a dozen different payment apps, or even wondering whether payment was sent. Landlords say RentApp is the most convenient way to collect rent, and we think you'll agree. RentApp, the free and easy way to collect rent. Learn more at rent.app slash landlord. That's rent.app slash landlord. You're trying to close on your next rental, so why is your insurance company dragging its feet? With long lead times and never-ending paper forms, it's no wonder it takes forever to finally get a policy. Modern investors deserve better. They deserve Steadily.com. At Steadily.com, you'll get fast, affordable landlord insurance available online 24-7 in just a few clicks. You can even get next-day coverage, which takes just minutes, by the way, to obtain. And you can do it all from your phone. Steadily was founded by landlords who created insurance products tailored to the unique needs of this industry. It's their sole focus, and that's why landlords nationwide consistently rate them 4.8 out of 5 stars. So whether you've got a single family, short-term, or multifamily portfolio, Steadily.com can secure the best coverage at the best price to protect your properties. Discover how Steadily can save you both time and money on your rental property insurance. Visit Steadily.com for a commitment-free quote tailored to your needs today. Here are 92 of the most affordable housing markets in the world. Turns out, the U.S. has most of them. By Dave Meyer. Housing affordability in the United States has steadily declined throughout 2022 as prices and interest rates continue to rise. Affordability plays an enormous role in the housing market's direction, and recent declines are the leading factor in the housing correction we're currently experiencing. To understand where the market is going, we need to look closely at this issue. Has affordability ever been as low as it is today? Is this level of affordability sustainable? Or could it get worse? What markets are still affordable? 
These are all critical questions that can help inform your investing strategy. In today's podcast, I'll help you make sense of today's housing market by exploring the history of housing affordability in the U.S., how the U.S. compares to other countries in terms of housing affordability, and help you identify some of the most and least affordable markets in the nation. Please note that affordability is a huge topic, too big for any one podcast. But in future podcasts, I will look to address additional aspects of affordability, like the causes, potential solutions, and rent affordability. Housing affordability in the United States. Okay, so housing affordability refers to how relatively easy it is for an American with an average income to afford an average-priced home. Right now, affordability is relatively low. According to some data we found from provider Black Knight, affordability is at its lowest since the early 1980s. This follows an extended period of relatively affordable housing that lasted from the end of the Great Recession until the beginning of 2022. So to understand why affordability has changed course so quickly, we need to examine the primary components of affordability. Housing prices, household income, and interest rates. Housing prices. Let's start there. So when houses get more expensive, it puts downward pressure on affordability. And we all know housing prices have grown tremendously over the last two years, going up 38% nationally from July 2019 to July 2022. Household income. The income of a prospective home buyer is, of course, an important factor. Wages have risen 16% since the beginning of 2020, which is very quick in historical contexts, but not nearly enough to keep pace with housing prices. Or inflation. <laughs> now let's talk about interest rates real quick. So most Americans use some sort of debt to finance a home purchase. As interest rates rise, debt becomes more expensive and the costs of a home purchase go up. For example, buying a $400,000 house at 4% interest would cost the buyer about $1,910 a month. At 6% interest, that same house would cost just under $2,400 a month. With this context, should be easy to see why affordability has trended in the way it has. At the beginning of the pandemic, interest rates plummeted creating one of the most affordable housing markets we've seen in the U.S. for as long as I have data for. Housing prices started going up rapidly in the second quarter of 2021, but ultra-low interest rates kept things relatively affordable for the following 18 months. Then, in January 2022, mortgage interest rates started rising from an average of 3.1% for a 30-year fixed-rate mortgage up to 6% by early September 2022. Needless to say, affordability has tanked. Wages have gone up during this period, but not nearly enough to offset the rapid growth of home prices and interest rates since the beginning of 2022. We found ourselves in a period of low affordability, but it's important to note that this level of affordability is not unprecedented. If you revisit the chart, housing was less affordable in the 70s and 80s due to super high interest rates. If you're curious, housing prices did continue to rise on a nominal, not inflation-adjusted basis through the period of low affordability back then, but there were some periods of high inflation during that time. 
The last time housing was as close to this level of affordability was preceding the Great Recession. And we all know what happened then. So, if you're wondering if this level of affordability is sustainable, the short answer is yes. In the early 1980s, housing was considerably less affordable than today and remained that way for about five years. Of course, historical data doesn't tell us what will happen next. But it does show us that it's feasible for housing to remain at low affordability for a long time. Housing affordability across the globe. Another way we can try to understand whether current affordability levels are sustainable is by looking at international comparisons. To do this, I examined some data from the 2022 Demographia International Housing Affordability Study. This report looks at housing affordability across 92 metropolitan areas in Australia, China, Canada, Ireland, New Zealand, Singapore, the U.S., and the U.K. The study ranks each market as either affordable, moderately unaffordable, seriously unaffordable, or severely unaffordable as measured by a metric known as the median multiplier. The data shows that the U.S. actually has the lowest median average by nation. Note that many of these countries have only one market, and therefore the median is not a good representation of the country as a whole. Also note that this data is from 2021, before interest rates rose in the U.S. But still, it does tell an important story. By the way, you can see this table in its entirety at biggerpockets.com. So out of all the markets, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania is the most affordable. Hong Kong was the least. What we saw in the data when we looked closely, we saw a wide variance in U.S. markets. Pittsburgh median multiplier is just 2.7, while San Jose's is 12.6, a massive difference. Even though nearly half of the markets in the U.S. measured fell into the severely unaffordable category, the U.S. also had the only market in the affordable category. It had a wider distribution of markets. In short, housing is pretty unaffordable in all of these markets. But relatively speaking, the U.S. has more affordable options than other countries. And we have a breakdown, of course, of every single market that we talk about at biggerpockets.com right inside this article that pairs with this podcast. That's where you can find it. But let's take a look at the top five real quick. And the top five are actually all U.S. markets except for one Canadian market. Number one, of course, we mentioned Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, the median multiplier at uh, 2.7. The second most affordable market, Oklahoma City, Oklahoma at a 3.3 median multiple. Number three, Rochester, New York, at 3.3 as well. And number four, Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, 3.6. St. Louis, Missouri is at number five for affordability, with a median multiple of 3.6 as well. By the way, number 89, San Jose, California, 12.6 median multiple. The Vancouver market in Canada, 13.3. Number 91, Sydney, Australia, 15.3, and number 92, Hong Kong, with a median multiple of 23.2. Yikes. Okay, so to return to the question of the unaffordability of housing in the U.S., Canada is a good means of comparison. 
Canada's housing market has been on fire for decades and took a much smaller hit than the U.S. did in the late 2000s. Canadian housing prices have accelerated to all-time low affordability levels, as measured by a different methodology than the data we just talked about, without falling. Of course, this could and probably will change soon, but you can see that housing got less affordable for over 20 years. Despite some periodic declines in pricing, the trend here is very clear. Housing has been getting progressively less affordable in Canada for decades and is unlikely to return to the affordable levels seen around eh, 2000 anytime soon. So, could the U.S. be on this path as well? Now, all that said, (laughs) here's what it all means. In the broadest sense, the U.S. is not in unprecedented territory, even given the recent declines in affordability. Housing is at the lowest level of affordability in decades, but it's been lower in the past, and it's right in the middle of the pack compared to other countries. That said, though, I think something has to change for affordability to improve. Historical precedents and international comparisons are important, but people generally have a strong recency bias. Since the Great Recession, as a country, we've become accustomed to housing being more affordable than it is today. Most home buyers don't remember the 1970s or 80s. Instead, they remember the last decade when housing was relatively more affordable. As such, I believe demand will remain relatively low until affordability changes course and heads to a more normal level. The loss in demand will continue to put downward pressure on pricing in the housing market. Additionally, the Fed is likely to reverse course on interest rate hikes at some point, which would improve in for affordability. But that might not happen until 2024. Of course, every market is going to behave differently. And as we heard just a bit ago, affordability in Pittsburgh is really high, and therefore demand will probably not drop as much as it will in San Jose, which saw the largest month-over-month price declines from June to July 2022. So it's very important to understand how affordable housing is in the markets where you invest. The National Association of Realtors, NAR, provides some really great data for this. My personal hypothesis is that affordability will play a major role in regional housing markets for years to come. Some markets are just too unaffordable, and demand will drop to the point where prices fall. Some markets will see modest declines, and others will be more dramatic. On the other hand, affordable markets could see an uptick in demand. Work from home is here to stay for many companies, and I believe that more affordable cities will continue to see large levels of domestic migration, which will increase demand and put upward pressure on housing prices in those regions. These types of markets could continue to grow in the coming years, even as many major markets experience a correction. All right, that's it for this show. But remember... We have a whole library of episodes with timeless information about how to grow your real estate portfolio so you can enjoy the life you were meant to live. Just tap all episodes in your podcast app or scroll back in the feed to check out an older but still evergreen show. Otherwise, dear listener, until tomorrow.